It's such an honor to be part of this Freedom Church family. Arlene and I just enjoy being able to serve here, to be a part of this incredible group of people. Some of you I've known for 20 years. Some of you are really new. But every one of you, I just uh, want you to sense God's warm welcome through my life. I just uh, so love God, I can't even hardly stand it. And God has been so good to me, to our family, to our church family, and he can be good to you as you commit yourself to him. And uh, so thank you for that. Um, We've been looking at doing a series from Ephesians called Insecure. And actually the course I wrote was Get Secure. And so uh, Pastor Tracy does a marvelous job, don't you think, every week bringing to us the Word of God. I sit there and am nourished every week. I look forward to coming her and her speaking team. Wow, we are so blessed. The people that God has given to us to open the Word. This is rare, folks. You need to understand that. This is rare. And I I look around, the people that I get to share with, uh, even um, just on occasion, and I come and I just love the Word of God. And I will tell you this, you need to invest yourself in studying Ephesians, and it will change your life. Get to know the book of Ephesians. It'll change your life. Ephesians is about your identity and your potential in Christ. You are chosen by God to be adopted into a spiritual family. We talked about that uh, a few weeks ago. We are an heir of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. We have the ability to grow every day in our relationship with God, to know God deeply. So many people wish they knew God. We know God, and we can know him better every day. We've also been reminded through Ephesians to this point in our series that we are all works in progress. We are not perfect. God has still got lots of work. I mean, I'm old. I'm in my 70s now, and I am still a work in progress. Every day I see that God is working in me and shaping and forming and framing me. And I want to talk to you this morning. If you don't have, a, you may have a granddad. Uh, I want to be your granddad today in the faith. I want to talk to you like this old guy. So don't tune me out, young people. I'm so thrilled that you're here. I love talking to young people. And sometimes they even don't mind listening to me for a bit. And hear some of the stories about what God has been doing in my life. And I look back as a senior, and I want to encourage you today that the the product that you see here this morning is the result of decades of God working in my life. And wherever you are today, start, do it. If you're not already doing it, invest yourself in knowing God, going deeper in God. And I thought about this my lifetimes. In my 20s, I started to get serious about confirming my childhood theology, the things that I was taught in Sunday school and taught by my parents, I started to try to figure that out. And I met a gorgeous woman who came into my life and changed me and got me in that, in that straight path. And together we started to explore that. Oh, it's, that was Arlene, by the way, my wife. 
we'll be married uh, almost, we'll be married 49 years, and, and so, it, so it worked. In February, planning the big 5 uh, you know, in a year and a half. And that, for an older person, that's a lot of work. You know, you, you, everything you do takes a lot of work to do that. So we're doing that together, and we're going to enjoy. But every day we love being in the Lord. But in my, in my 20s, I wanted to figure out what I was taught for myself. And, and so wherever you are, if you're a teenager today, and you're a part of a, of a Christian family, thank God for that. You might get frustrated, you might get annoyed, you might think, well, I got to go to church on Sunday. Yeah, you get to go to church on Sunday. You get to come and you get to hear the Word of God, and one day you'll be glad you did because there'll be some things that'll come to your mind and you'll say, how do I know that? Well, then you'll start exploring it. In my 30s, I, I kept my, my focus on growing in the Lord and uh, I discovered and embraced Everything that you need, and you heard me say that many times if you know me long enough, everything I need for life and godliness is found in Christ. And that became my philosophy for life and ministry back in my 30s. And I began to share that, and it became part of, of the DNA of this church, actually, of who we are, that we are found and formed in Christ, and we have everything we need in him. In my 40s, I began to explore and understand my identity in Christ like I never had before. And a lot of the seeds of what we're talking about here now came from that decade in my 40s. Uh, it's really how I came to understand life transformation, what our church is all about, being transformed by Christ. And so I kept pursuing that and, and found out that everything that I have in life that I need in life is found in Christ, and I could be transformed. In my 50s, I started focusing really closely in on discipleship essentials, and I began writing courses to help people. The essential courses, first steps, and life in the spirit, and learning to serve, and, and, and learning to lead were those core things that came out of decades of experience in church life, but personally. And they became essential for getting a solid base and foundation for who I am in Christ, and, and of course, we are, are growing in that, and we need to be faithful to the Great Commission of reaching people for Christ and teaching them how to follow Christ. In my 60s, I intentionally started re reproducing my faith in Christ in others. I really began to mentor successors. I really began to look at people that were around me and say, who's going to carry on after me? So just... You know, this is fascinating for me to be able to look at it from this side. Most of you are looking at it from the other side up, and you're saying, well, what happens when I get up there in my 60s and 70s? Well, this is what can happen. And you begin to reproduce your faith in others, and all of a sudden, here I am being mentored and blessed by people that I was able to pour into over the years. And when you're intentional, you'll see the fruit of that. And now in my 70s, I'm trying to increase my faith legacy preparing what I will leave behind after I am gone. I belong is the theme of our message today. I belong from Ephesians. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that you, as a follower of Christ, are in Christ. That's a big deal. You are in Christ. And I have a slide, I think we've got it up there, that I developed years ago. But I want you to look at the term that, that in Christ, you see it up there, uh, outs, in that green is what 
some of the things that Paul talks about, those 30-some things that you are in Christ. Outside of that, in the white part, is, is if you're outside of Christ, you don't have any of those things. That's the difference between being a follower of Christ and not being. You're spiritually alive. You're secure in God's love. You have freedom. You have the wisdom of God. All those things. The Apostle Paul uses the term in Christ and equivalent phrases 160 times in his 13 letters in the New Testament. Did you know that? 160 times in Christ, 36 times alone in the letter to the Ephesians that we're studying now on Sunday mornings. Once you understand this dynamic, you gain Christ's perspective of who you are in him, what you have access to, and what your life's purpose is about. In Christ means by faith you are united with Jesus by believing in him and confessing Jesus as your Lord. That's what it is. It's a spiritual thing. And once you do that, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, giving you access to supernatural resources and advantages that you do not have in yourself. So the person and activity of the Holy Spirit are important for you to understand as well. They're evident all through the book of Ephesians if you read it. You'll see that as noted in the introduction to the Get Secure course on Ephesians, our companion study course. So you need to learn to train yourself and to accept your new reality in Christ to take full advantage of who you are, your identity, and your potential. This morning, I'd like us to do something. I want us to personalize the declarations of your status and your benefits in Christ. I, I will have you say, when I start each section, the word I, and then whatever it says on the screen for you. I am for every truth. And I want you to allow those things to sink into you throughout these next moments about your blessings. And, it, and when you do that, it can positively change the way you approach every situation in your life when you grasp who you are, and what you have in Christ. Realize that being in Christ gives you a straight path to God. There's no distance now between you and God. Many times we think of God being way out there somewhere. What the Scriptures tell us in Ephesians is we are near to God. He is right here with us through Christ. How important is that? Well, think about it in your life. I'm sure there have been times... When you had an issue or a problem that needed fixing, and you really needed an advocate, you really needed somebody to be able to go to that had an inside track on what it was you needed to help you out. And it, it might have been for a job interview. It could be for uh, financing, for a business deal. It could be for a specialized medical attention, uh, something that you really needed, and you needed someone on the inside to help you out. Because being on the outside can leave you feeling helpless and powerless. And you don't really know what to do, where to go. And so knowing someone personally who can help you out is golden. It's an incredible advantage. Now, I want you to consider how advantageous it is for you and for me to have direct influence to the most powerful and influential person in the universe. Think about that. Who can intervene for us in any matter perfectly. 
How will that change the way that you look at everything? It changes everything. I have access to God in this matter, whatever it is you're facing. As a follower of Jesus, you already know and are related to this unlimited one. And you have, in Christ, official standing with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And you can go to him at any time and present your case and receive perfect guidance, direction, and supernatural involvement every time. Why? Simply because you're in Christ. You're in Christ. Learn to pray, Holy Spirit, help me to live up to everything that I have attained in Christ. Help me to focus on Jesus rather than my weaknesses, rather than on my problems. That's a tendency in our world today, even within the church. We focus on trying to fix the problems. We try to, to, to look at how we overcome our weaknesses. And God's already made the provision. He said, stop focusing on those things. Focus on me. And when you focus on Jesus... These things become secondary. It'll change your life. Our passage this morning is Ephesians 2, verses um, 11 to chapter 3 and 13, and it amplifies how much has changed because of your belief in Jesus. So let's personalize each statement. Let's believe it. Let's accept it. And let's settle it once and for all. First one, say it. It's going to be up on the screen here. I am near to God in Christ. Say it again. I am near to God in Christ. Here's what it says, chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, prior to Jesus coming to earth... The nation of Israel was God's chosen people, his only chosen people. God showed special favor to the Jews and expected them to make his name and, and his glory known to all the other nations of the world. That's who Israel was, the Israel that you read about in the Old Testament. That was their mandate from God. He said, I will bless you. I'm, I've chosen you. You're special. But here's what you have to do. I expect you to make my name known. Throughout the nations. Israel was given the law to follow and model, was given the, the prescription of worship. It was formalized and commanded the worship of God. However, in spite of this special status, none of the Israelites were permitted to get close to God's holy presence. Only certain people from among the Jews were selected to be priests, to God, to go to the people, to offer sacrifices and offer forgiveness for sins. And everyone else stood at a distance while the priests did their thing. They went on their behalf, but the people, they just, they just stood and watched. And even the priests could not go all the way into the holy presence of God it had killed them. The Holy of Holies was not possible for anyone to go into, to enter into the one place inside of the tabernacle originally and then inside the temple, except for one person once a year. 
only by making preparations was that person allowed to enter into the holy place of God's presence. Every human being by nature is sinful. But you see, God is sinless and he is holy. That's why nobody could get close to him. And that's why the direct access to God was limited to one person. Meeting with God up close and personal was out of the question for everyone else. But friends, that all changed on the first Easter weekend. (laughs) Think about it. For centuries, people could only watch, could only imagine when Jesus died on the cross, what does the scriptures tell us? Oh, that curtain that separated everyone else from the holy presence of God in the temple was ripped in two. And now access was given to every person to come near to God. Can you say amen? <laughs> That's Easter. That's what we have, folks. I am near to God today in Christ. That's who I am. In Christ, you are spiritually cleansed from sin by his blood shed on the cross. That's why you can do this. You're not holy in yourself. No one is. But you no longer stand alone in your sinfulness, but are fully forgiven and covered by Christ. You are identified as belonging to Christ. And when Father God looks at you, He sees you through Christ. Wow. We're going to be celebrating in just a few minutes communion. I want you to do that today with a sense of what Jesus has given to us. Every time you do that, you now are close to God in Christ. Second thing, say it. I have peace with God and others in Christ. Say it again. Here's what it says, Ephesians 2, verse 14. For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He, Christ, came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Before the cross of Christ, there were hostilities, barriers, and walls separating people from God. As well, there were the Jews and the Gentiles, Gentiles means non-Jews, were hostile to one another. Read about it throughout all the Old Testament. Both were separated from God, and neither group could be or were obedient to God's holy law. So Jesus came as the embodiment of peace. 
And he confronted and demolished all the roadblocks that there were for us to have a relationship with God. Through his death, Jesus provided the way to be reconciled to God in a harmonious relationship with him. And that provision of peace also made possible those who were previously alienated from each other, the Jews and the Gentiles, to be united. Every relationship, friends, that exists in the world today can be whole, can be healthy in Christ. In Christ, you see, there are no distinctions between Jew and Gentile. That's what it says in Galatians 3.28. Each person has equal status and privileges to everyone else in God's family. Everyone has direct access to Father God by the same Holy Spirit in us. And those in Christ are at peace with God and potentially with one another. There should be shared consensus of all of us to work together with God peacefully to accomplish his purposes. Think about the possibility of having peace with God and others. How does that add to your sense of security today? The world that is in such conflict, wars everywhere, people fighting with people everywhere, and if they came in Christ and were at peace with God and with one another, imagine. The third one, say with me. I am part of God's dwelling on earth in Christ. Say it again. Let it sink in. That's what it says in verse 19, Ephesians 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of, the house, of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit, you want to know why it was so spectacular in here this morning? Because so many people came and they said, I am the temple of God. God's presence lives in me and I'm going to connect with the Holy Spirit and he is going to show up and he is going to do amazing things in my life and in our lives together. We are part of the kingdom of God. That's a strange concept for someone who's not part of it. The kingdom of God was one of those other things that I did a major study on back in my 30s. I got to know what it was. I didn't really understand it till that time. The kingdom of God. Jesus said that unless a person is born again by believing in him, they cannot even grasp what the kingdom of God consists of, let alone how to belong to it. That's because it's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. Someone who is not in Christ is it reminds me of a person who's visiting Canada as a guest. And they've come to spend some time here, maybe as a tourist, but certainly not as a citizen. They have a passport that gets them into the country, and perhaps they have a temporary visa, but they do not have 
the full rights of permanent residency or long-term job security. Newly arrived, they do not even have a practical understanding of the nuances of our language, of our culture, of our unique customs. Nor do they have the, secure, the sense of security and protection given to qualified citizens. You have all of that when you're a Canadian citizen. When you don't, you're just looking in from the outside. Spiritually speaking, those who are in Christ are full-fledged citizens of God's kingdom. Like legal citizens in our own country with full benefits and countless opportunities, man, we have access to education, jobs, medical care, voting, and home ownership. Those are some of the privileges that we have just by being citizens of Canada. And we show that we appreciate those by obeying the laws, paying taxes, and respecting others. See, before coming to Christ, you were a foreigner, an alien to God's spiritual kingdom. In Christ, however, you are now a citizen of the kingdom with full rights, privileges, as, long, as well as the expectations of citizenship. Before you came to Christ, before you committed yourself to him by faith, you could not even grasp the spiritual realm of God's rule. Most people can't. Most of the people you interact with throughout the day have no clue what I'm talking about right now. They have no idea that they live in a, a parallel kingdom, a kingdom that is under the influence of the evil one, but that they could become part of God's kingdom through Christ. Think about the implications of God residing in you as a believer, and in the church, they're significant. First of all, the Holy Spirit living within me motivates me to treat my body as a holy place that belongs to God and honors Him. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20 tell us that's what we are to do. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. You should treat your body that way. And secondly, the church, as we have just read, is God's temple where the Holy Spirit resides in a collective way. We all make up this beautiful blending together of the church of Christ. And the Lord manifests himself powerfully when God's people are in unity. And so you want to guard this kingdom privilege. You want to promote and guard the health and integrity of this holy entity just think of the advantage that you have that you are a citizen of God's eternal kingdom. What should that do for your self-worth and stability? The next one, say with me, I know the mystery of Christ. Say it again. I know the mystery of Christ. What's that mean? I thought I knew Christ. Well, here's what it says. Ephesians 3 verse 4. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, and has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
You see, the mystery of Christ is no longer a mystery for those of us who are in Christ. In Old Testament times, people who were familiar with the Scriptures and with the words of the prophets had an inside track on the coming of God in flesh to save the world from sin. But the problem was that most people were unaware of the timing of the Messiah and the fact that when he came, they didn't even recognize him. This reality remained an obscure mystery to most people despite God's messages filled with clues regarding Christ's identity and his appearance. And when Jesus did come into the world, he remained a mystery to most people, but was a welcomed revelation to true believers. What previous generations of seekers could only imagine became flesh and blood reality in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, here, a mystery. The mystery of Christ is now knowable for anyone who believes that Jesus is God, the Son, and Savior of the world. And everyone who believes that becomes part of one body, the universal church. And everyone shares together as an heir of God, as a fully adopted son and daughter of the Lord. So what is the promise in Christ Jesus that all of us share in, that it's talking about in the last there? It is this. It is everything that Christ makes available for anyone who believes in him by faith. When you believe in Christ by faith, you experience salvation from sin. You experience freedom from the penalties of sin. You experience abundant life by overcoming the power of sin. And you share in the present and future inheritance of God's unlimited resources. And you have the security of hope, of eternal life. Can you say praise the Lord? Those things are yours in Christ. That's the promise in Christ that we all share in. There is only one body of Christ made up of all believers around the world and every local church family where Jesus is Lord. The next one, say with me, I know God's eternal plan in Christ. Say it. That's a big statement. I know God's eternal plan in Christ. Here's what it says in chapter 3, verse 10. God's intent was that now through the church, this is how important the church is. People who say the church isn't important. It doesn't matter that I am part of a church. It does matter that you're part of a church. You are already part of the church by being a believer. That's true. But you need to be an active part to experience all the blessings and benefits. God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities, listen to this, in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You see, you are more than just an individual believer in Christ. You are part of Christ's church, his body, the visible expression of his spiritual reality. And God places a real importance on people who belong to Christ as part of the church being the vehicle by which God makes himself known. 
This is how God makes himself known today, through the church. Not only to the people of the world, it tells us, but to the rulers, authorities, and the heavenly realms as well. Wow. The church has been, is, and always will be the embassy of God's kingdom. And every one of you as a believer in Christ is an ambassador. You are an ambassador of Christ to this world. God sends all of us as ambassadors representing him and his kingdom everywhere, declaring his preeminence and eternal plan. The mystery of Christ is unlocked and offered as liberating truth to every person on earth. The church is mandated to present the gospel to every person, but look at what it also says. Here, there's an interesting addition. Here, in Ephesians, we are told we are presenting God's truth to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What is that? Well, glad you asked. Pastor Aaron, in a few weeks, is going to be doing a message from the last chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. In verses 10 to 13, in that you will see how this group is identified. It's also in lesson 13 of the Get Secure course that you can read about as well. But October 29th, mark it down, Pastor Aaron, you'll want to hear it. You are expected to present the gospel to unbelievers in their salvation and proclaim the truth to the unseen enemies as a declaration of who's in charge. These are identified, these ones in the heavenly realms are identified as spiritual powers opposed to God in the gospel of Christ. You'll learn more about that in the coming days. But we know God's eternal plan, and His plan is to make known the mystery of Christ to the universe and declare it to the spiritual powers that are against Him. Wow. You can almost tell I get excited about Ephesians, can't you? A little bit. The last one here, I want you to say with me, I have direct access to God in Christ. Say it again. In Christ and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul concludes this section of Ephesians by reminding us of our direct line of communication with God in every situation. We're not simply spectators of what God is doing in His universe, like sitting back, oh boy, I hope God figures this out somewhere, and, I, and, he, and he comes up with the solutions, and I don't know, boy, it's going to be interesting to see. No, we participate with God, carrying out what he assigns us to do in his eternal plan. And there's no need, friends, to be unsure about what God's will is at any time in your life. Just do the will of God. Do what he tells you to do, and you'll be living in the will of God. Simple. Settle it. Don't be confused by it. Just do the will of God. Well, how do I know the will of God? I've been talking about it for 30 minutes. <laughs> you get into the Word. You absorb the Word. Let it percolate through your life. Let it become part of your speech, part of your prayer life, part of your conversation. It'll change you. It'll change you. You're in Christ, friend, when you know Jesus. If you're not in Christ this morning, oh, I invite you today. Participate in this, whoever you are. And I don't know anybody who's not. I'm just saying it's a wonderful life. There's no life like it. It's incomparable. And I have direct access to God 
through Christ with freedom and confidence. You have the credentials and the go-ahead to connect with God about anything at any time. It is no small thing to be a part of God's eternal plan to reconcile the world to him. That's what God's plan is. That's his whole plan. He wants everybody to be saved. Did you know that? He wants everybody to be saved. You know the simple prayer I've included as part of my prayer life? I pray all throughout the day. I mean, I'm retired, so I, I know I get lots of time to do that. But you can pray, have an attitude of prayer any time. You but you have to choose to pray. But I say, God, my prayer is that every person everywhere will call out on your name and be saved. And Lord, I also pray that you'll send forth laborers into your harvest field calling people to come into relationship with you through faith in Christ. Pray that every day, a simple prayer. I don't know the billions of people in the world. I can't know any of them, but I can pray that prayer and be a part of what God wants to do to reconcile the world to him in Christ. You can talk with God freely and confidently, expecting breakthroughs that align with God's intent. And when you do, you are engaging rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. In the unseen world, and you have full and complete authority in Jesus' name. So, in summary, say in closing, I belong in Christ. Say it. One more time. I belong in Christ. You don't have to have an identity crisis. I'm serious. And some of you struggle, I know. There are people that struggle online here today, people that are listening in. Some of you have no maybe use for the church. You don't want to be part of it. Or for whatever reason, you maybe have estranged yourself. I'm telling you today, this isn't goofy. This is the real deal. In Christ, you have life. You don't have to be walking around wondering what's next. Where do I go? I know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. There are days that, you know, things come along. Every day is an adventure, isn't it? But one day, I know I'm going to be with the billions of people that are around the throne of God, worshiping, worthy, worthy, worthy. Is a, man, I've been studying Revelation, too. I mean, as a retired person, I get to do all this stuff, right? It's, 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 it's unimaginable how good it is worshiping the Lord. We are worshiping with the hosts of heaven when we worship. Think about these mind-boggling benefits as we prepare ourselves for communion this morning. I was far away from God, but I'm now near Him in Christ. I was hostile to God and others, but now I'm at peace with God and others in Christ. I was a foreigner to God's kingdom, but now I'm a part of His dwelling on earth in Christ. I used to find Christ in His church a mystery but now I know them personally in Christ. I used to be unsure about the future, but now I declare God's eternal plan to anyone in Christ. I used to be timid to approach God, but now I am free and confident in His presence in Christ. Keep praising and thanking the Lord. Take whatever you're dealing with directly to God in Christ with confidence. Focus on your privilege of benefits in Christ, not on your weaknesses and problems. Focus on Christ. Make your declaration statements about who you are in Christ often. It'll change your 
life. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that that transforms. Thank you for the desire that you give us to know your word. From the youngest to the oldest person here today, I pray that the bulk, the meat of this word will have penetrated deep within. People will meditate on it, and people will apply it, and people will put it into practice with confidence in who we are in Christ. And now, Lord, as we gather around your table, I pray that everyone will be prepared, will be worthy. We take this moment now, Lord, to say, search me, O God. Search me, test me, try me. See if there be anything in me that is, is between me and you. Or between me and someone else that's hindering my relationship with you. Or if I don't have a relationship with you, I can. Reveal that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to all of us today. And so, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I confess my need of you. I, I declare to you that uh, it's only by your grace that I have been saved. But I accept and embrace everything that you have for me today. And I want to draw near to you, God. And so I pray for everyone who's prepared himself even now, that everyone will receive these elements today and proclaim your death until you come in a worthy manner. We prepare ourselves and we thank you for what you're going to do. We commit it all now into your care with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen.